how I literally stopped asking anyone and everyone how I looked, what should I be eating? I stopped putting that out in the universe. I really had a big old realization that that was part of my issue and part of my problem is that I was looking outside of myself for validation. Welcome to The Work In Between, the podcast that explores the topics and daily habits and actions that get us to our health-related goals. Whether you're trying to lose weight, improve your mental or emotional health, or working on your spiritual journey, you're in the right place. In 2021, I was diagnosed with diabetes and was morbidly obese. I was already a three-time cancer survivor, so I knew I had to do something to turn my life around. So I did. I lost over 100 pounds and began transforming my life inside and out. I'm living my best life, and I want you to live your best life, too. Thanks for stopping by. I'm glad you're here. I'm your host, Gretchen Holmes, and this is The Work in Between. Question. What is your relationship with your body? Do you love it? Do you hate it? Does it depend on how much you weigh or what size your clothes are? If so, this is definitely the show for you. Today, I'm talking with Rachel Lavin, a certified personal trainer and health coach who documented her struggles around body image and learning how to fully accept her body in her book, The Donut Diaries, A Personal Trainer's Tale of Being Every Size from 12 Through Zero. I think you'll agree this is something many of us struggle with because, frankly, a lot of us have a love-hate relationship with our bodies. In this episode, Rachel and I explore body image and acceptance and what she found that helped her to love her body no matter the size. Welcome to the show. I have been really looking forward to talking to you ever since I read your book. It's a great book, by the way. It's real. It's raw. It's funny, even though it's an emotionally charged subject. Self-love and body acceptance is very near and dear to my heart. I can't wait to get started. So again, welcome to the show. Well, thank you so much for having me. I really am looking forward to our talk too. Let's start at the beginning. What prompted you to write this book? Well, I had always kind of felt like I had a book in me. I have lost a ton of weight more times than I can count. And I always thought, let me write a book on how Rachel kept the weight off and let me help other women do it too. And it just never transpired into anything. And this last big weight loss that I had when the pandemic hit and the weight started to come back on and just, you know, our whole lives got uprooted. I decided to write it then, but I also realized at that time that it was more important to write about my failures as well as my wins and tell my whole story. And luckily, COVID gave me the opportunity to do that. I love that. I That's one of the things that makes me absolutely crazy, especially in our society, is that all we get is the polished, pretty version of everything. We know mm -hmm. that social media does that anyway, but 
I love that you talked about the ups and the downs and the all arounds and the frustrations. <laughs> and any of us who have struggled with our weight have probably gained more than we've lost and then we lose it all and then we gain it. And it is such a sometimes a vicious circle. So I think that your book is going to resonate with a lot of people because they're going to look at it and say, that's me. I love that about what you did. And I really like how vulnerable you were in your book. I mean, it was no holds barred. You were truly letting people in to pretty much whatever you were thinking. Was that hard? I don't want to say it was hard to let people in, but it was hard to put that on paper. And I can tell you that, especially that last month before I submitted it for final editing, I read it every day and, oh, I, I can put that in or I can change that. And on that last day, when I read the whole thing, like in tears and thinking there's nothing more that I can say at this point. Maybe there's another book, but at this point, the story is as whole and perfect as it's going to get. So then I just let it go. So what was the hardest part to write? The hardest part to write was the first chapter, which was my relationship with food, because it was so volatile. My whole, you know, first 40 years of my life, I wanted to really express that, but I didn't want to write a poor me story, if that makes sense. I wanted to be real, of course, but I didn't like go into every single diet and every single like experience in that sense, because I feel like all we need to tell each other as women is like, I've done every diet and you yeah. get it because yeah. we all have. Right. Yeah. So I didn't feel like I needed to elaborate and that, but I wanted to be super clear that this was a lifelong, horrible, poor relationship that I had with food. I think one of the things that struck me was not only your honesty, but again, your vulnerability, but you jump right into your book talking about all of these absolutely insane dieting rules that have pretty much guided most of our lives. I mean, I'm 60 years old. I've known all these rules my whole life. And I think most people have. So I find them exhausting. Which ones do you think are the most dangerous? The dieting rules that you talk about in the book. The restriction part. To me, that is the most scary, the most detrimental. Because a lot of times what we're told to stay away from are things that our bodies need so badly. I'm sure, you know, you and I are being very close in age. We remember the whole like sugar-free, fat-free thing in the early to late 90s, I would say, and how everyone jumped on that bandwagon so quick. But the nutrients that comes in fats like avocados and olive oil, I mean, we were just depleting our bodies of things that we need. So that to me is the whole message that I am like, it's my new lifelong mission is to debunk that we cannot live like that anymore. Restricting is causing more havoc on the inside. Plus it shows on the outside, right? Our skin looks horrible. We're tired. We're crabby. We're cranky. We have to stop believing those horrible lies that we need to not eat a certain food because it's just not true. I finally figured out this whole thing and eating in moderation. 
I only eat food that tastes good, that I really, really like. And I find it sad when people are eating food that they don't even like. I don't like kale either. Who does? I don't know. And I've probably turned off all of my audience, but I have tried kale every which way you can eat kale. Just not my thing. But I love roasted vegetables. I sincerely do. I refuse to eat food I don't like. Isn't your life just so much pain free and easier doing it that way? Yeah. Yeah. And I'm, I smile more. I'm not miserable to be around. I'm not sitting in the corner with a, a bowl of broccoli, if unless I want a bowl of broccoli. No, it, it's about choices and balance and feeling good about yourself. I agree with you. How did you finally let go of some of these really awful diet rules? I had the same epiphany you did. I was miserable and I was eating things because they were, I'm using air quotes, healthy, but I was miserable trying to force feed myself foods that were low in calories and had no taste. And they weren't really doing anything for me because I wasn't eating a whole diet of whole foods and things that nourish my body. And then the things like cake that nourish my soul. So I was just really miserable. And so when I realized that there's got to be more to life than this, I started researching body positivity, health at every size. A couple of books came across my eyes that just really opened my mind to what I have been doing to myself for over 40 years. Yeah, I think that we all fall into it so easily because that's what we've been conditioned to do. But the other part of this, though, and you talk about it in your book, is this expectation of, well, what fat people should be eating, right? I mean, we're supposed to be eating salad, and I think only salad. I think that's the only socially accepted food we're supposed to ever be eating in public, certainly. It's a little more complicated for you because you're a personal trainer. So, Talk about this ongoing contradiction for you mm -hmm. about what you did professionally or what you do professionally, and you had this issue with your weight, your size, and how you talked about yourself anyway, but just interactions with people who were in your field. I mean, that had to be a really strange dynamic sometimes. Absolutely. I mean, it was perfectly acceptable to be at work sucking down a thousand calorie protein shake, but oh my God, you're eating hummus and carrots. Do you know how much sugar is in those carrots? Like, I mean, the, the mixed messages and the thought processes that go and that are just run rampant through my profession, unfortunately, is very real and a part of my daily life for so many years. I will say, though, I spent a lot of time sneaking food when I knew that no one would see me because living that way, your body and your mind and your soul find a way to be happy, even if you suppress it for so long, which mm -hmm. I think is a great word. I was suppressing my happiness. And so I would sneak foods. Luckily, I lived alone in New York, so I could do that. I could go. But I will never forget I was walking home. And a couple of the members of the gym 
we're going out to dinner and I had my, luckily, thank God, it was a salad. <laughs> and, they, and he grabbed my bag and opened it. He's like, what are you eating for dinner? And I was uh, like, what? So, I mean, it's crazy. I find it, and I'm not going to say the word fascinating because it's not fascinating. I find <laughs> it offensive. It is acceptable, perfectly acceptable in anybody's mind that they should, A, comment on anybody's size, and B, look inside your takeout bag to see <laughs> what you're eating. Who does that other than everybody seems to be okay with that? That has always astounded me. We have definitely made it other people's business about just everything you mentioned. That's why I write in my book how important it was when I decided to take my power back, how I literally stopped asking anyone and everyone how I looked, what should I be eating? I stopped putting that out in the universe. I really had a big old realization that that was part of my issue and part of my problem is that I was looking outside of myself for validation. Did you find that people would comment whether or not you invited them or not? For a while, but now I've gotten very good at saying that my body is none of your business. I do the same thing. I just, when I read this, I have notes in the, in the margin of your book. And I don't recall ever really asking anybody, do you think I'm fat? Do I look good in this? What do you think? Oh my Lord, I'm so fat. I never would bring it up. And hmm. yet it seemed to be a really important topic for complete strangers. I mean, I lived in New York for a while and it wasn't uncommon for somebody to make a comment, but I've lived in a lot of places and they do it everywhere. That's not a New York thing, but I was always astounded at what compelled perfect strangers because they're compelled to comment on your somebody else's body. I remember specifically in New York one time, it was raining and I was walking with a friend of mine and I had a little, one of those little tiny umbrellas, right? That doesn't cover anybody, but that's all I had. It was in my bag. And I remember walking down the street and somebody literally came over, walked out of their way to tell me that that was a mighty small umbrella for such a big girl. I didn't know what to say. Now, that hasn't happened to me in decades. I think as you get older, people don't necessarily do that. But I've always wondered what in the world would compel somebody to A, go to that much effort anyway, but B, that they feel that it is their moral duty to comment on a complete stranger's body. And I always felt, in, and maybe you'll appreciate this because you're in this field, I always thought, you know, if this is truly about health and if people are making comments just because they care so deeply about my health, then when I joined a gym, they should throw me a parade. I never once got a parade when I walked into a gym, you know, and you work in that field, you know how people sometimes get treated. That's always been a challenge for me to try to understand and really figure out what's the end game here. 
the gym industry, the fitness industry, the wellness industry, we are so far behind and we need to do better. That's why my eight week program is for fitness professionals to educate them on a better way. Weight loss does not have to be the friggin' topic of every single conversation with someone. You might be coming to me just because you want to move better. I mean, you want to live the rest of your life being able to bend down and pick up your grandkids or reach up and grab the pasta out of the cupboard. It has nothing to do with the size of your body. So I promise you, Gretchen, I'm doing better and I'm out there educating people. So I hope that makes you feel better. It does make me feel better because we have to educate people about how to interact with people in a way that makes it safe and makes them want to come back and get the results that we all want without turning people off all the time and shaming people, which often happens. Yes, I'm thrilled that you're doing that. I think that's outstanding. There's a lot to dismantle. There's a lot. And I think that people have... For a long time, I don't know if you remember this, but someone actually said, and it was going around for a few years about how you are more afraid to tell somebody that their cigarette smoking is going to kill them, but you have no problem telling someone how fat they are. And where's the disconnect there? Mm -hmm. And I have to educate people all the time that bigger bodies does not equate disease. Mm -hmm. And I know that I can easily say You can be an anorexic person and be riddled with disease. So body weight should not be your barometer of healthy and not healthy. But I also do promote living your best life. And our bodies, everybody was made to move. And I do stress the importance of finding some type of movement that you like. And thank goodness that there are plenty of things out there. You don't have to go to a gym. You can walk, you can dance, you can do yoga, you can garden, you can do whatever, but you're moving your body. So that's what I love to just teach and express is that movement is magic and it makes us feel good. It doesn't have anything to do with the size of your body. Amen. I was having a conversation with a cardiologist a couple of weeks ago And he asked if he could be on the podcast. And I said, are you kidding? Of course you can be on the podcast. I'd love to have you be on the podcast. And he said, under one condition, he said that we don't talk about weight loss. He said, what I want to talk about is health, not how much you weigh for exactly those reasons. And I said, well, all the more reason I'm going to have you on my podcast, because that is a message that gets lost. I post all the time. I constantly am saying, you cannot shame yourself to good health. You can't shame yourself to good health, and other people can't shame you to good health either. I see a lot of people say so many self-deprecating comments about their weight, about their intelligence, about whatever they're talking about, and I am constantly making the comment about how much we have to truly appreciate what our bodies have gotten us through. Frankly, they've gotten us through to today. They help us get through illness. They carry babies. They run races. They get us to work and back. They help us play ball. They are there to help us play with our grandkids. 
they do so much for us and yet we do nothing but say really nasty terrible things about them and so i too am on this mission to change how we talk about ourselves because frankly if we're not our own cheerleader i don't know why we would expect anybody else to be either and if i say something really negative about myself I don't want you to agree with me. Do you? Why are we saying such negative things about ourselves? I don't know. But you know what you can start telling people? And maybe it'll resonate. And it's so simple. Our bodies are a gift. They truly are. In whatever form, whatever shape, whatever weight, they're still a gift. One question that I had in early in your book, well, in fact, in your introduction, you wrote that you are now coming from a place of continued healing and love instead of from a place of shame and guilt. And originally I was thinking, where did all the shame and guilt come from? But I actually, I I know where that all came from. But (laughs) how does that, because I think it comes from the same places for all of us. How is that manifested in your life now? What does that even look like now that you're coming from a place of healing versus a place of shame and guilt? What it means is, is that I never forgotten my story on the other side of that. I am a grateful person. I'm a happy person. I love the fact that I get to wake up every single day and make my mission more and more of a reality. But I think it's really important to say to your listeners that I do have my bad days. I will be so honest, you know, living in a headspace of hating myself and my body for almost 40 years, those thoughts creep back up for sure. But because I have enough belief in myself and belief in my body and myself now that I can say whatever I need to, to self-soothe, and I instantly believe it. I love to tell people it's not an overnight journey, and it's not. But I spend most of my days in very, very peaceful, happy place now. Are you as preoccupied with weight and food as you used to be? Not with food at all. With my weight, there are moments for sure, but it doesn't get to rule my world anymore. It doesn't get to make me feel bad and isolate and be sad and miserable and angry. So in that aspect, definitely have moved past that. Food, no. I eat what I want to eat when I want to eat it. And I appreciate every piece that goes in my mouth. I don't feel bad or punish myself anymore. But sometimes like the body, I'm like, okay, (laughs) okay. (laughs) Well, I don't think it does go away overnight. I think that we have had these mindsets and these behaviors and these thoughts for literally decades. And it takes a long time for those to heal I think it is an ongoing journey where we have to be mindful to make sure that we don't fall into those old traps and those old anxieties and those old ways of talking about ourselves. One of the really neat things that also came out of your book that I'd love to hear what the response has been from your clients, because you've been doing this work for quite a long time. And I can only imagine what an amazing experience it is for your clients to be working with somebody who is a personal trainer and a health coach who have had their own struggles with weight, with eating. And 
how much more of an authentic relationship that has to be. How are they responding? They are responding very well. I definitely make it clear to them, listen, I know I'm on this part of my journey and you may not be there yet. I will always meet you where you're at. I will always support your feelings. I will always support you. Please feel free to talk to me about where you're at. And sometimes it's like, I don't feel great today. I feel like I ate way too much this weekend. Okay, I hear you. I remember what that felt like, but did you have fun? Yeah, yeah. yeah. And they're like, yeah, great. You're here with me now. We're, we're continuing your journey towards health. But I do not tell them that they can or can't diet because nobody could tell me that at the time. Obviously, I encourage them to have a healthier relationship with their body and with food. But like I said, I remember how long it took me and I don't push anyone. I think it's really important for people to be able to relate to folks who are in the world that you are in as far as trying to help us get healthier. One of my physicians who I work with, we were talking about this whole idea about nutritional counseling. He said, I don't understand sometimes why my patients don't respond. I have them meet with my nutritionist and I said, okay, wait, stop. When I was a hundred pounds heavier, I wasn't going to listen to a nutritionist either because I didn't feel that they understood where I was coming from. And it was really important to me to have somebody who I felt understood me. And that's what I think is so cool about what you're able to do, because you understand some of these challenges. And I'm sure your clients look at you and go, she knows, she gets it. And so I'm not, I don't have to be embarrassed. I don't have to make things up. I don't have to pretend to be something I'm not. I just could imagine this is probably one of the most freeing, most valuable, most honest partnerships out there. Well, thank you for saying that. And that is what I strive for. Because, you know, longevity comes from trust, comes from knowing that trainer client or health coach client relationships are built on trust. That is the one thing that I feel like in my career that most people would say about me is that they always felt that they could trust me. And they always felt that they could be themselves in front of me. And that to me is so beautiful. It really is. Because we know when we don't feel we can trust you, when we're feeling judged, then we tend to not show up. We don't go to the doctor when we feel that way. And we surely aren't going to go to the gym when we're feeling that way. So I really like that. And your clients are very lucky to have you as their trainer and their health coach. I wish there were more like you. I hope there will be based on, on the training and the awareness that you're bringing. One last question, because the name of this is The Work in Between. On this show, we like to talk about very specific things that we can do starting today that will get us to whatever our goals are. What are three things that we can do today that will help us reach whatever our goals are? My very first thing is the awareness of how you speak to yourself. I truly believe that that is the most powerful tool that is a catalyst for any type of long-term change. So please be aware of the things that you're saying about yourself. 
use affirmations, say it to yourself in a mirror. I know it might seem silly at first and it's actually okay if you don't believe what you're saying. So don't think that it's not working. You have to trust the process. That would be my second tip. Knowing that, you know, the weight did not come on overnight. The way you feel about yourself was not overnight. So it's going to take some time to change those thoughts. And then my third thing was actually your, you motivated me. I want you to sit down and make a list of all the foods that you don't like (laughs) and and literally stop eating them. Just stop. (laughs) Just stop. And that is something we can all do today. Absolutely. Rachel, this has been as much fun as I knew it was going to be. I knew that we were going to have a good time. I love what you're doing. I really enjoyed reading your book. Again, it's the Donut Diaries, and I would encourage everyone to go get that book. What is your website so that they can go to your website and get it too? Absolutely. Rachel Lavin Wellness. I'm also on social media under the same title on LinkedIn, Facebook, and Instagram. All right, great. We'll also have your information on my website when this airs, so folks can come to my website and find it as well. Perfect. This has been a really important conversation, and I think it's one that we will continue to have, at least I hope we will, but I really love what you're doing and the mission that you're on and how you are turning the fitness industry on its ear. And I just can only see really great things for you moving forward. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. A quick reminder that this podcast will be available on my website, GretchenHolmesPhD.com. Make sure you check it out. You'll also find some valuable resources along with my previous podcasts. Feel free to drop me a line if you'd like. I'd love to hear from you. Finally, from me to you, remember to love and celebrate yourself now, today. Don't wait until you feel worthy. You already are. Loving yourself is the only way to good health. Until next time. The information on this podcast is not intended nor implied to be a substitute for professional medical advice. 